Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us this week for a New Year's message from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, with Bob Lizer. Yeah, all right, I better not stink after that. <laughs> I've done this before, we've all been through this before. I want you to know that I'm absolutely terrified. I'm timing myself so I don't go long. It's a holiday, I understand. <laughs> Some of us were up late last night. I get it. The sofa's calling. Tony and I were up till almost quarter to ten. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked Doug to put on the wall, Happy New Year. We've heard it. It's hokey. I know it's hokey. I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. <laughs> You'll notice I'm not starting off immediately with a prayer. We will get to a prayer about this message. But first, I got to tell you, I was so excited to be asked to do this today on New Year's Day. I'm thinking, this is great. A New Year's message. God loves to give us new things. He really does. And there are verses all through Scripture about the new things He wants to do for us. So I was excited. I have this great idea for this message about new things. And Tony will tell you, I am full of great ideas. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bacon-flavored toothpaste? I run two GPSs in the car and let them argue with each other just to, just to, to entertain myself. And for those of you who might have children that sometimes need to be a little corrected, there's a new game. Taser tag. <laughs> these are, and so I, I have all these, this, this great idea about all these wonderful passages God has given us about new stuff. Check it out. Doug, I'm not gonna, we're not going to read every one of these. We're not going to go to every one of these. Look at these. This is nowhere near complete. There are literally dozens and dozens of verses about new stuff that God wants to do for us. Those of you who are note takers or whatever who are interested, I have the list if you want. It makes for a great Bible study. You can take pictures of the slide if you want. But real quick, because I don't have them memorized. I have to cheat. 1 Peter 1.3, he gives us a new birth. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I've got to slow down or else I'll, uh, I've had too much coffee, I'm sorry. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17, he's already made each of us a new creation. Ezekiel 11.19, he'll put a new spirit in us and replace our hearts of stone. Isaiah 65.17, new heavens and a new earth. Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Ephesians 4, 24. He's given us a new man to put on like a coat or any socks you might have gotten for Christmas. Lamentations. Yes, lamentations. 3, 22 and 23. New mercies every morning. Colossians 3, 10. 
reminds us again of the new man we are to put on. Romans 12.2, a renewed mind. And for some of us, that's like really useful. Psalm 43, <laughs> Psalm 43, a new song. John 13.34, a new commandment. Jeremiah 31.31, a new covenant. Revelation 31.12, a new Jerusalem. Isaiah 62.2, he has given me a new name. And there's a couple I want to just look at all, all the way through, read the whole thing, so that you get an idea what I'm talking about. Ezekiel 36.26, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. A new heart. This is the kind of stuff we're talking about. The next one is Revelation 21.5. Another new everything. Then him who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make what? All things new. And he said to me, Write these, for these words are True and faithful. So God loves to give us new things. So I'm all excited about this message about new things. By the way, I did a Google search for new things, and for whatever reason, this one came up and I found it was appropriate. Psalm 65, 11. Because it's New Year, God gave me this. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. Because if that's not enough to keep following him in the new year, I don't know what is. So anyway, I had all these new verses in mind. And as I do, I sat down to pray. I prayed to the Lord. Of course, I prayed for what I want, right? I'm the only one who does this, right? I have all these verses. I'm like, put these together into something that makes some kind of order, some kind of sense. I want a coherent message out of all these random verses you've just given me. Anybody else, sometimes, instead of the still small voice, do you get a good swift kick? <laughs> All that I got as a result of my prayer was, and I am the Ancient of Days. That's not what I wanted to hear. That's how I know it's God, because this was not what I had in mind. So I figure, well... I better pay attention to this. But I still, in my back pocket, I had, had my good idea. So I'm good to go. So all these promises of new things, the stuff that I just spent six and a half minutes on, that's not what we're going to talk about. Next slide, please. Oh, there you are. Already. He beat me to it. Daniel 7.9. Where is this Ancient of Days from? Daniel 7.9. I watched till the thrones were put in place. And the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment, his garment was white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels were a burning fire. Remember I said, he said to me, and I am the Ancient of Days? This is not, I, you know, I love my but God moments. This is not that. This is and God. He still loves to give us good things. He is still ancient. Both. He is God. Put that and mentally in the back of your mind in bold letters. As we worship God, we worship the Ancient of Days. Here's the cool thing. He existed before time, 
He will go on eternally. And the verses that we just ran through a minute ago shows us that, and he still loves to give us new things. Anybody know what just so happens means? I heard, and I think it was Chuck Smith that actually said it, now that I think about it. Just so happens me is really a euphemism for God's in control. I do this search for new things, and this verse pops up out of Hebrews. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The worlds were framed by the word of God. Let's see, what's he, what's he given me so far? He's given me, and I am the ancient of days, and the worlds were framed by the word. What are you trying to tell me, Lord? Because I don't know that I've told many people this, but uh, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is in John chapter 1. When I see the words, the word of God, my mind goes, my heart goes, my spirit goes to John chapter 1. God used this silliness, this foolishness, my great idea to bring me back to something I just love to talk about anyway. But he also threw me a curveball. Because it's a holiday, and I know many of us, some of us were up late, we have stuff we're planning on doing, and so I was thinking, I'm going to keep it light and easy, I got my nice little list of new things. God had another idea. We're going deep, folks. I pray that I'm up to it, and that is my prayer. Lord, get me out of the way and do your thing, man. What your truths say to us today have not changed. We recognize the day is something different, but you are not different. Lord, may I properly express what it is you're trying to tell us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. So we are in John chapter 1, where I'm hoping to go through verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was made nothing that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own didn't receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14
There were times while I was researching this this week, I haven't even said this to Tony, where I wept. So we're going to dig in deep. We're going to go through this verse by verse because that's what Calvary does. And God gave us all these verses. So digging in, let's get started. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If I'm not careful, I could stand here and talk about this the whole time together. Who knows Genesis 1? Genesis 1.1. Anybody? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So Genesis takes us to the beginning of creation, right? John takes us to the beginning of everything. Everything. Notice the word, capital W, by the way. There's going to be a grammar lesson in here also, so just be forewarned. Capital W, the word, was not created. The word just was. He's eternal. He is the Ancient of Days. David Guzik puts it this way. When the beginning began, the word was already there. Now what about, here, here's a sentence for you. Here's a sentence for you to use when you're at the, at, the, at the table in the restaurant. Here's a sentence. What about this word, word? I, I had to write in here this morning, rabbit trail warning. Because here we, here we go. In 1890, there was a man named James Strong. And Mr. Strong, he compiled the concordance of the Bible. A lot of you are familiar with it. I quoted an awful lot, and I figured I'd better review what this Strong's Numbers is that I talk about. I had to really boil it down, because the explanation, what this guy did is nothing short of amazing. He took every word. Now, keep in mind, this was in 1890. This was pre-computer, pre-word processor, pre-typewriter. 1890, he took every word of the King James Bible, try that again, King James Bible, and gave it a number. And each one of those numbers he then associated with a word in the original language. And what this did for us is it gives us, you and me, living today, in this present day, an opportunity to understand what the writer's original intent was. Because, let's face it, English is pretty inadequate for a lot of this stuff, isn't it? So that being said, the word here with the capital W word, Strong's number G, indicating it's the original Greek he's pointing to, 3056. And I was so blown away by what James Strong had to say in 1890, I asked, oh, and hats off to the tech team, by the way. I, like, stressed them out bad this morning. <laughs> they, they are. <laughs> Give them a sandwich or something on their way, on your way out, because they, they earned it. This is what he said. And he's talking about, especially with the article, anybody, grammar, grammar folks, the article, the word the, that we just looked at, with the word the, word of God. This is what James Strong had to say. This is a direct representation of what is in his book. Bold letters. Word of God. 
capitalized, capital W, capital G. It means it's the divine expression, the creator, the word of Yahweh, i.e., and he goes on to explain for us who are a little thicker than most, the anointed one, whether pre or post incarnate, that is, when Jesus is not embodied in the unglorified state, pre-incarnation, and also when he's walking around in a suit of flesh. The word is Jesus, the creator. Here's my message today. You want to put a theme on this? Jesus is God. There is one God. God the creator. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. God the Ancient of Days. The bottom line here is that John, by calling Jesus the Word, using the Greek word logos or lagos, depending on different pronunciations, he is God the Creator. He's our Savior. And he's God the Creator. He is the Ancient of Days. And he loves doing new things for us. As we saw when I presented my idea. So that's the end of the rabbit trail. At least that's the end of that rabbit trail. Okay. So back, on, back to our verse. Back to our, our passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Could John be any clearer? Well, yeah, he could. The Word, who we now know as Jesus, was with God at the beginning. He was with God. But wait. He also was God. I'm going to read, I'm going to, I'm going to write what I read. read whatever. I'm going to read what I wrote. <laughs> I'm here at the beginning of the new year to bring you good news. A reminder, the Savior we worship, the Jesus we sing about, He is God the Creator. Amen. One and the same. One God. This is not new. And to go on, next verse, he was in the beginning with God. Anybody ever look up the word with in the dictionary? It's a rough... <laughs> I think I had too much coffee for sure. It's a reference to a relationship. You can't be with and not have relationship to something else. In these two sentences, these two verses, John has just described for us the Trinity. The Holy Trinity. How many times have you heard scholars and teachers go on and on and on in volumes and volumes and volumes to describe to us the Trinity? John the Apostle does it in a couple of verses for us. He was God. He was with God. This is, I, I struggle with how to word this. Jesus is God. He is not everything that God is. That's what the with is telling us. 
But He is fully God. Just as the Holy Spirit is fully God. Just as the Father is fully God. He is with God, the Trinity, and He always has been. In the next verse, he goes on to show us that there is one God, God the Creator. Okay. All things were made, made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. So what he's saying is, and this is like a lot of words, right? If it was created, he created it. That's what he's saying. We saw in the very first verse, the Word was not created. He was the Word. He didn't create Himself. Without Him, nothing was made. It was made. Our Jesus that we, who saved us, who we have a relationship with, He's the Creator too. I think a lot of times we get, we get, we, we, we kind of forget that. Or, to be honest, myself personally, I don't know that I ever thought about it this way until this week. In Genesis, he, we're told that he created the heavens and the earth. All things were made through him. Talking back in verse 1, talking about the word, Jesus. And without him, nothing was made that was made. You put that next to Genesis and you, you can see how clearly it is. Jesus created. And as if that isn't enough, in Colossians, Paul tells us, Doug, is there another slide? Okay. In Col oh, there, oh, there it is. <laughs> in Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. Hmm, I have a different verse. Because I gave them the wrong verse to put on the screen. Told you I was dogging him out this morning. Colossians 1.16. Sorry about that. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. John is telling us, and Paul says the same thing, Jesus is the creator. I gave them the wrong verse. In our next verse of our passage, next verses, it should be four and five. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. This word, this logos, this Jesus, this unchanging one who loves us, who loves to give us new things. He's not just life. He's life and light. What does that mean, you might ask? Well, thanks for asking. He's talking about life in the light of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity again. Talked about English having its shortcomings. This is one of those cases. The word here, thank you, Jim, James Strong, or Jim. I'll call him Jim Strong at this point because we've gotten to be pretty close. The word life here is not bios like we studied in school, biology physical life. The word life here is Zoe. See, anybody heard this before? 
check this out. This is such a great definition. You, you, don't, you, you want to know that God loves you? Zoe. Life more than merely the present physical or natural life. Or, the one I like even more, it can be translated as life above. Life elevated in relation to our mere physical condition. Happy New Year. Jesus is bringing you not just life, but life above. Elevated beyond the physical. Strong's, uh, Strong's, Jimmy Strong, he, he goes on to say, this word, life, Zoe, deserves special demarcation and attention. This life is our light. Life was the light of men. He's giving this to us. The elevated life of the Holy Spirit shines in and from our lives. Jesus himself gives us this light and this life. And what does he say? The darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus himself gave this. And the world of darkness didn't understand. If Jesus himself was not understood, should we be surprised that we're not understood as well? Now, I'm going to do a quick summary because, like, we just went really deep, really fast. And we're just looking at the first few verses. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. I have an old book at home. Old as in, like, from the 90s. It's called The Teacher's Commentary, and it's by Lawrence O. Richards. And he has chapters and chapters about this. But the bottom line is, what he said is, John is using these first few verses of his gospel to unveil to us men who God is. He calls it the unveiling. Lawrence does, not, not John. When he talks about, when uh, Mr. Lawrence talked about verse 1, his role in the Godhead from the beginning. Jesus is God, was one of the Trinity, and has been forever. Verse 2, Mr. Richards says, and this, I, had to, I had to say this to myself like five times to figure it out. Jesus is God expressing himself through Jesus. Whoa. The, uh, verse 3. The word of creation is the word of Jesus before he became incarnate, before he became flesh and walked among us. He was God the creator. Verse 4, the Creator placed life in His creation, but not just life, self-conscious life. Life more than life, life above, life elevated. And lastly, He expressed Himself in the moral purity, the holiness of light. Something is either light or it's not. So a lot of you who have studied John's Gospel before understand that... Uh, 
A lot of times teachers skip the next few verses. I don't think they do it for any nefarious reason. It's just that John takes like a serious 90 degree turn here. And they, you know, you want to have a flow to your message. Well, obviously this message has no kind of flow at all. So I'm just going to follow along. And it's Calvary, verse by verse, precept by precept. We just go. I do also happen to believe that John put this next section here for a reason. Verses 6 through 9. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, which was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. If you read it fast, it doesn't make much sense. There's another rabbit trail alert, by the way. We're not going to turn there, but in, again, in John... Verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. John tells us a story about John the Baptist. And it's about the day that John the Baptist met Jesus. Now, because we now have John the Baptist and John the Apostle, we're going to maybe eliminate confusion. We have Johnny A and Johnny B, John the Apostle, John the Baptist. Well, then, and then, well, we have Johnny B over here, so maybe that night might not... And Johnny K, but he's on vacation. So, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, this story takes place the day that Johnny B met Jesus. Two of Johnny's disciples were there. And it's commonly thought that one of them was Johnny A. Now, when I first came to Jesus, I had a terrific pastor, Pastor Mark Olson. And Mark was very insistent that we all understand these people... In the scriptures, these are real people. Pastor Mark always used to tell us, do the Walmart test. Picture them walking around Walmart doing the things they're doing and saying the things they're, they're saying. These are real people. So I'm reading this, and I began to wonder if maybe Johnny A didn't have, like, security issues. And that's in no way meant to be negative or disrespectful. I'm going to grab my notes because I need something to hide behind. Because like when I'm, when I'm standing over here, I can hide. And then, and then Virginia gets over. We call, we call this insecurity corner because I can hide behind Virginia as well. So I get, I, I get the insecurity thing. And it actually kind of helped me get closer to John. Because, you know, I always kind of identified with Peter. Those of you in the military, I know you've heard it. The rest of you probably have as well. You've heard the saying, make sure brain is engaged before putting mouth in motion. That Peter, like, rarely ever adhered to that. So I used to identify with Peter because uh, you guys have been sitting here listening to this for 30 minutes. So... And I notice that in the middle of this fantastic introduction to Jesus being the creator, the Trinity, all, all of a sudden Johnny A drops this about Johnny B. What? What is this? So I dug into it a little bit and most 
commentators are in agreement that Johnny A was an a disciple of Johnny B before he came to follow Jesus. So I kind of wonder if maybe, okay, John's trying to explain himself a little bit. Some of the stuff Johnny B did, this guy was worth following, so he's kind of explaining himself. And I realize that's kind of thin about my feelings, and again, this is just my perspective. I'm just saying. But then there's another thing, and I know you've heard it. What did John call himself? The, the disciple Jesus loved. Here's the funny thing about that. Nowhere else in Scripture, other than in John's own gospel, is John called the disciple Jesus loved. Nobody else called him that. You ever make up your own nickname? And wonder why nobody else is calling you that? That's, these are real people, folks. He's, they're, these are, uh, they're like us. And they had their foibles. And it, again, this is just my thought. The funny thing, in, in his own gospel, in uh, chapter 13, verse 23, chapter 19, verse 26, chapter 20, verse 2, chapter 21, verse 20, chapter 21, verse 7, in each one of those places, John calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. And then there's this. And I laughed out loud when I finally saw it. Next slide, please, Doug. <laughs> now, yeah, we know. We, you know what week this is, what day they're talking about. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. What day are we talking about? Easter. Then she came, ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. So they, I love this. They both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter. Not only was he the disciple that Jesus loved, he was apparently the disciple that could run really fast, too. And how can you not love this guy for putting this in his gospel? How can you not love this? He's showing it to his warts and all. So anyway, back to the message. Sorry, the rabbit trail. Uh, verses 6 and 7, I think we're on. One would hope. Okay. <laughs> there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Johnny B. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So in addition to Johnny A. introducing us to the Trinity, he's going to, for lack of a better term, follow the lineage of his own understanding of that Trinity. And that lineage leads back to Johnny B. That's why he put these, passage, these verses in here. He wants us to understand that this Trinity, this the Word was God and was with God, that wasn't his own idea. Others taught him that as well. 
He's showing us not only what he believes, but why he believes it. First, he's making sure to tell us that Johnny B was a man. He was a man sent from God, but he was a man nonetheless. He's making sure to draw a clear line between John the Baptist, the man, and Jesus, God. The deity of Jesus stands on its own. He goes on to tell us of Johnny B's mission. John was a witness and not a God. Again, we're talking about the capital letters and stuff. John bore witness of the light, capital. What does that tell us? Jesus. That all through him might believe. He was not that light. Couldn't be clearer. He is not trying to, he, he's trying to make sure that we don't get them confused. Johnny B is a man. He is not, the God, not God. Now if that's Johnny B's mission, to be a witness, it also helps explain the idea that maybe Johnny A was a, a disciple of his because he would be familiar with his mission. But on top of that, Johnny A had been chosen by Jesus to be one of the twelve. You better believe that he knew his scripture as well. Do you know Johnny B, John Baptist, his, his coming was foretold? Next slide, please, Doug. We should be Malachi. <laughs> Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Notice the first part. Messenger, my is capitalized because it's God speaking, right? Messenger is not capitalized because he's not a God. He's a man, John the Baptist. The second messenger, capitalized, the light, is Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, mm -hmm. He's making it clear to us that we understand. Jesus is God. God is one. Men, no matter how great they are, are not. So this is not earth-shattering. There's nothing new here scripturally, but for whatever reason, God laid it on my heart to bring this. Next slide, please, Doug. Back to our passage, John, verses 8 and 9. Again, to bring it home for us, John is telling us, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming in the world. He's ramming it home. And I, it makes me wonder, if God put something in Scripture this many times, I, I get the feeling it might be pretty important. Uh, Matthew Henry, in his commentary, says this. It says, light is a thing which witnesses for itself and carries its own evidence along with it. If you don't believe me, you can turn off the lights. You can see that the light's not there. 
But, and suppose you had your eyes closed and somebody shut out the lights. You wouldn't know. So this is what Matthew Henry says. Light carries its own evidence along with it, but to those who shut their eyes against the light, it's necessary that there should be those who bear witness to it. Christ's light... Oh, I love this. If bumper stickers were longer, I'd get this made into a bumper sticker. Christ's light does not need man's testimony, but the world's darkness does. One last personal observation, and then we'll move on. Johnny B. was a man. He was not to be worshipped. Very often in our modern society, men are being worshipped. Popular preachers, televangelists. They might be fine people, they might not. They're men. Doesn't matter if they're on TV and have a successful ministry, they're men. Musicians, athletes, politicians, celebrities. I believe that among other things, Johnny A here is cautioning us, there is one God, three persons of that one God, and he alone is worthy of our worship. We may, and we certainly do, benefit from good, godly, anointed teaching, be it on TV, be it on the radio, podcast, or whatever, but the people who bring those teachings are men. We can be helped by those teachings. We can be harmed by non-biblical teaching. So there's another lesson there for you. And you know I had to work it in somewhere. Be Bereans. Know your scripture. Acts 17.11. Slide to our next slide, please. Doug. Verses 10 and 11. We're getting to the end of it. See? I lasted longer than I thought I was going to. Too, so. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Back earlier when, we were talk when I was talking about verse 5, I talked about how you know, the world, they just don't get us. The world doesn't get us. John tells us here in this verse, the world didn't get Jesus. He made the world, and they still didn't get it. He came to his own people. He came to his own. What does Scripture tell us about Jesus preaching to his, uh, uh, the family in Nazareth? They wouldn't hear it, right? Why would we expect anything more from folks around us? And, okay, I got I to gotta do it again, sorry. My own little rabbit trail. If Jesus was not known by, by the world that he created, if his own people didn't accept the light, And what if everything I said was accepted by the people around me? Would that be in line with what happened to Jesus? If you're speaking, telling folks, telling your, your family, your friends and something about Jesus and every single one of them buys off on it, you better review your own message. If it didn't happen for Jesus... It ain't going to happen for us. 
We don't want to be ear ticklers. We don't want to tell people what it is they want to hear. We need to be telling people what they need to hear. Not really sure how I got off on that. <laughs> Chuck Smith said this about the triumphant return of all things. Again, I told you I was all over the place. There is no flow to this. He's talking about the, uh, Jesus' triumphant return to Jerusalem. He says, the rocks evidently knew who he was. Because when the Pharisees were encouraging to rebuke his disciples on the day of his, day of his triumphant entry, he said, I say unto you, if these should hold their peace, these very stones would immediately cry out. They knew who Jesus was. The stones. But it was only the darkened minds of man that failed to recognize him. He was not in the world. The world was made by him. And yet the world knew him not. Evidently the little donkey he rode in on knew who he was. No one had ever ridden on that donkey before. And as Chuck Smith says... I'm sure that when Jesus sat on him, he was just as docile as could be. The donkey knew who he was. We need to shine that light to the world, folks. But beware, if every single person buys off on what you say, you need to check the light you're shining. And last thing, you know, we were talking about the world. Now, now what about us? What about us weirdos? Next slide, please, Doug. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I went on and on and on about how the world didn't recognize the light of the Lord that Jesus brought. And we are in the world, but not of it. Again, that's, that's John, by the way, also. Uh, chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. But Jesus has given us this gift. He allows us, he has given us the right to become children of God. Interesting fact, in his name, and this came, those of you who have study Bibles, this came straight out of the King James, uh, New King James study. This is a note at the bottom. If you have a New King James study, you have this note. Name, in his name, does not refer to the term by which he is called, but to what his name stands for. The Lord of salvation. If you believe in his name, you understand, you get it. You see, I am saved. Believe in his name. People say Jesus all the time. They don't, that's not what it's about. You got to believe in what his name stands for. In this context, the phrase in his name means to believe that Jesus is the word, the life, and the light. That is, he is the Christ. He is the son of God. And we don't become uh, children of God through any of our own effort. What do, what do I have to do here? Mm, believe. Everything else is God. He has given us this right. It's a gift. 
I went off my notes again. It's not by trying. It's not by effort. It's not by acts. It's not by what I might do. My mother is in heaven with the Lord right now. Her salvation does not extend to me. Our salvation does not extend to our grandkids. It's a gift of God that we have to receive. And ooh, I, went, I managed to go over long, longer than I told Heidi I was going to be. We don't become children. I'm just repeating myself. Because, okay, the end. My, my favorite verse, certainly in the New Testament, possibly in all of Scripture. Verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When I'm allowed to stand up here, I laugh a lot. I love to laugh. I don't take myself very seriously. I take the Word of God seriously. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Who has kids, Parsons? When your, quid, when your kids dwell with you, is this an, just an hour a week, like a Bible study? It's daily, day by day, minute by minute, moment by moment. He came and dwelt among. It's not church and then the restaurant. It's in your life all the time. He is your life. The one eternal God, the creator, the redeemer, the ancient days chose to become flesh like us, to endure the cross, as James sung about earlier. He chose these things to give us something new. New and eternal life. So there's your passage about new. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.